G'day, this is Rita Joyan and welcome to the Unbox Your Gift podcast. This is episode number 195. And with this episode, I've got an incredible guest. She is none other than Tracy Goodwin, who is an internationally known voice command coach and the voice behind numerous captivating voices. So she coaches celebrities, she coaches actors, she coaches entrepreneurs, C-suite executives, Supreme Court judges (laughs) in how to use their voice. And so she helps successful professionals and entrepreneurs unleash their greatest asset, their real voice, so they can command a presence captivate their listeners and make a bigger impact with their message. And so how does she do that? She does that by listening to your voice. So you might think, oh, I don't have a message. I'm not going to talk on stage. And you might be talking on stage. But for those who feel like, well, I don't, every time you have a communication with your spouse, with a customer, with your son or daughter, with your sibling, There's a message you're communicating. And how to communicate that message before the words even come out of your mouth is what Tracy is about. She teaches the psychology of the voice, which is probably a fancy way of saying how to use your voice so that you land, you absolutely land with who you're trying to communicate with. And so what's really amazing about Tracy is that she's been doing this for 30 years. She's been teaching people from all walks of life. And what's more exciting is that she's on the podcast talking to us about what the sound of your voice reveals about you. How to spot when someone puts on a front like they're too loud or too bold or confident. Sometimes that is a mask a mask that's going, something else is going on behind the scenes. And what she does is works out what is going on behind the scenes. So you can cut out the acting and just turn up as how you want to be seen. We also talk about how your voice shapes you before the age of five. Oh, that's incredible. We talk about the language of vocal variety, how using your voice, turning it up, turning it down, how and when one should be doing that. We talk about the daily communication exercises that you can do so that you can work on your voice, the one instrument that you're constantly using all day, every day. And how in communication, the voice is the orchestra of your heart. I mean, this is an incredible mind-blowing episode because if you've ever gone to some public speaking or presentation workshop, podcast that you've listened to, you haven't listened to how the voice proceeds before you step up on stage, before you start opening your mouth and saying the first word, what comes first is the sound. And how does one work on that sound so that when one is speaking, we absolutely can make sure that we're landing correctly the way we want to land with the person. So that no matter what words we use, if we forget the right words, at least the sound is the foundational piece that hooks the other person into wanting to listen to us. 
And this is just amazing stuff that you're going to be um, exposed to today. Tracy has been doing this, like I said, for 30 years. So she knows exactly how she's doing. You're in safe hands because she's going to take you through the step-by-step -step formula. She coaches people on, whether it's C-suite executives or the actors she's working with, or whether they're Supreme Court judges she's working with, entrepreneurs. Everybody needs to get an understanding of how the voice works because once you understand voice, presentation, speaking, it takes a whole new level. So without further ado, here's Miss Tracy Goodman. Tracy, Tracy, Tracy. Now you're in Florida at the moment and we have just come out of lockdown in Canberra. Have you guys in Florida been in lockdown or anything like that? Well, you just came out of the gate strong with that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's and and I'm just I'm just messing with you. In in the states here, it's it's certain states are much more locked down than others. And so in Florida, they've never really locked down. Now, it's interesting because I was in Texas, you know, there's been this whole cross country, uh, I don't even know what you want to call it, Palooza to get to the other side of the country. And I went from LA, mm -hmm. which was extremely locked down mm -hmm. to Texas that was really very moderately locked down to Florida that I now I have not been here that long, but I don't think they ever locked down. Wow. I don't think the kids ever stopped going to school. Wow. Yeah. Maybe for a couple of weeks. Now I'm, I'm don't have that. Don't quote me mm -hmm. on that because mm -hmm. I don't know it for a fact where I know that the kids in Texas did go home mm -hmm. for quite some time. But I believe that they only went home for a very short amount of time here and, and basically stayed open. So it's, that's, you know, it's such a hard question to answer being over here because state by state, it's, they're making their own rules. Yeah, and that's exactly the same with Australia. What you'll find in Canberra, which is where I live, is not what you'll find in Western Australia or Queensland. Yeah. Mm -hmm. or Sydney and and such is the times because and I, I started with that question because many people who are listening to this have been in lockdown and so it's just to see where the psyche is at the moment where people are at because mm -hmm. the struggle has been exponential for some and for others it's been a relief because I've spoken to other people and they said I've just loved being in lockdown because I didn't have to drive everywhere and take the kids here and take the kids there and it's been wonderful. So you've been in Florida for how long now? I think we've only been here about three months. My oh, son's, wow. we moved here for my son to go to college. And I, that was just August. Oh, nice. So we've not been here very long. Okay. I have not had an opportunity to go to the beach very much yet. <laughs> Let me just say that. <laughs> Let me just say that. But you know, I want to say something really quick mm. about what you just said about the state of where people are at. Mm. And I have really, you know, I'm a researcher. I know we're going to talk about the things that I research, mm -hmm. but the, the, the data right now, and I've been watching it. I've been watching it for 18 months. The data right now on people's desperation 
for real connection is I've never seen anything like it. And Mm. I've been studying this stuff forever. Yeah. So yeah, the mental, the, the mental, there's so much, I mean, we could have a whole episode, I think, talking about what this has done to people vocally, what this has done to people mentally, what this has, I mean, it's, it's so multi-layered, just like what state are you in? What's your lockdown status? Mm. It is a giant rubber band ball. Mm. Without doubt, which which you you beautifully just said the need for connection, and that's that's paramount right now in Australia for the need for connection. But what I find is even more incredible is your work and the way you create connection with the voice, which is what your bread and butter is. How to create connection with the voice? Because even if someone cannot be there in person, face to face. How one uses the sound that comes out of preceding the words is what you specifically specialize in. And that's very unique because you've taken that love or passion for the voice, the sound of one's voice, and turned that into an everyday working profession. And so I want to just start with that, with what is, how did you even come across because you don't talk about presentation. Presentation is storytelling, it's body language, it's the voice, it's the actual presentation. You, your specialty is just focusing on that one aspect. How did you even come across it, the voice? Well, it's, you know, I could go all the way back to birth, but don't <laughs> let that scare the listeners. No, don't be afraid. I'm not getting ready to tell you the whole history. But in truthfulness, Rita, I was raised in a family where there was this generational concept of children are to be seen and not heard. And mm-hmm. so technically I really wasn't allowed to speak. And I learned to navigate circumstances and I either learned to navigate or literally I was gifted mm-hmm. with the ability to hear all the backstories. I can hear all the way to the heart and the voice. But now I didn't know that for many, many, many years. And I, but I was, I was good at voice stuff. I, but I wanted to be an actor. I, and I was an actor and I started acting and speaking, actually became an award-winning speaker at the age of 12 because that gave me a platform to use my voice. And one thing after another kept happening to bring me back to voice. I had a a catastrophic event happen in my freshman year of college. And I literally started talking like this and in an instant. And that was what put me in front of some of the greatest voice masters of our time. So I was fascinated with it. I was exposed to it, but in my mind, that was never even on the table to be a voice Mm -hmm. expert, specialist coach because of my backstory. How in the world could Mm -hmm. someone who had been raised and struggled to use their voice because it hadn't been allowed tell others how to use theirs. So I became an actor and I made my living doing television commercials and people found me to coach their voices. And I directed plays all over the world and people found me to coach their voices. And this was yellow pages days. <laughs> this was a, this was not, let me look you up on social media. And so one day I finally got it that I was gifted in this area, 
that I had a knack for really being able to dissect what was going on with people vocally and get them a solution. And it wasn't typical voice coaching. It was something so much deeper. And so I finally became this full-time voice coach and I was fascinated. I started in dialects and I, because I, I was teaching actors dialects and strangely enough, back then, business people were seeking me out to take their dialects away because they had a perception around their dialects. So my very first working with a big corporate outfit was one of the largest companies in the world in Texas. And they brought me in to coach the C-suite because the C-suite, like me, are from Texas. Mm -hmm. And they sounded Texan and they had a perception of what the world thought of them. And that it was really on then. I wanted to know why the Irish sounded Irish and I sounded Texan because I wanted to sound Irish. They sound really cool. <laughs> and so I started deep diving it. And what I discovered was the subconscious put that Irish dialect in for sense of belonging. And from that moment on, it has been a passion, a love, and every waking moment, I am obsessed with voices, what is behind the voice internally, why we use our voices. We were talking earlier about how the people are so hateful with their voices. I need to know why, because I believe that the voices are, well, I could go on and on. And I know you probably want to ask me a question. <laughs> I'll stop. No, no, I, I want the listeners to just uh, also pay attention to the way that you are using your voice and the way in which you just told your story. It was a really easy. Mm. And I know this and I'm conscious of this because I am a student of Tracy's. Her work is captivating, which is, which is obviously the reason why she calls her program Captivate the Room. And and I, and I watch for that. So do you, when you watch TV or when you watch any clip on YouTube or anything, are you taking in the message or are you paying in, like as a professional doing this every day, are you more in tune with the voice that you're just like, oh, what's happening behind that? Like what's, did they really intend that? Is that the meaning of it? You know, they're saying that, but they actually, they really meant this. Are you, is that what's going on in your brain? Yes, and it, it can get exhausting in a lot of ways because what I discovered and really the core of the work is about what is happening in my subconscious to cause me to use my voice the way I use it mm -hmm. and how is your subconscious processing me? And that's what makes it a little bit different. And, and without even trying, I will automatically start hearing layers of sounds. I will hear somebody have a, a filler words and I'll immediately go, okay, are they buffering? Or are they justifying? What's the story behind that? Mm. Because that's what it is. Or they are monotone. Okay. What's going on? Oh, they're a thinker. Okay. Oh, data. Oh, no problem solver. Okay. So I can't really help, but categorize them because I've really trained my brain without even realizing I was doing it to take these sounds I hear that I have now given labels to and I'm constantly patterning. I'm constantly hearing the backstory mm -hmm. and what is what is going on in that person. And 
I've had to really train myself to turn it off sometimes. That, that's fascinating because you're, you're talking about the subconscious and you're really getting in tune with that. Your ability to just be in the moment, to listen to the backstory, as you call it, of someone's voice and what's happening with it. So when you listen to someone, can you, and their words that are coming out of their mouth, and what you're listening to is sound, not words. You're listening to sound, and which is what you teach, how to use the sound, the voice. Can you usually tell if someone is telling the truth or not? 100%. 100%. I can hear motives. If somebody has a bad motive, I hear it. Now, then it becomes a choice. Mm -hmm. I may go ahead and hire them or buy something from them or give them my money but I do it knowing I heard a bad motive. And what's interesting, you know, I, I knew I could always hear sounds. I knew I could, I just knew, I couldn't put a label on it, but I went and taught a workshop in Texas. I was living in New York at the time. And this young man rattled off a role play bit, kind of like how you teach people and they get up and they do their, their presentation. And I looked at him and I said, oh, I get it you fell in love with some girl and you moved down here because of her and she broke your heart and you want to maybe move back to the East coast, Maryland, I think, but you like it here in Texas. And he looked at me and he said, how did you know that? I'd never met this kid. Right. And I said, and so I looked around the room and everybody of course was kind of freaked out. And I said, did y'all hear that? And they said, now we do. So I spent the next 10 years studying how is your brain processing my sound? They were hearing it, but it was unconscious. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. My mm -hmm. God. So you started being an actor. From acting, you went into commercials, you had a something, uh, a, an event take place where your, vo your vocal variety or your voice changed. You learned with some masters of voice then you realize that voice is something that you would really want to have a handle on and teach to others and then that's how you started doing workshops and teaching and coaching and so on and so forth is that correct yes okay so when you're doing this and you're you're teaching voice is there a point where you ever have ever thought when you're coaching someone teaching someone that the people are too, so they don't want to let you in. They don't want you to see what's happening. Like I can put on a voice that's very strong and very bold. And really what I'm doing is I'm trying to get command confidence, command attention. But really you think that there's just, there's no confidence in that. I'm hearing confidence as someone with an untrained ear, but you're hearing something different. Does that happen a lot with you? All day long all day long. And it is, it is something that I, and I think this may be the most important question that you've just asked for where we are at this time in our lives, mm -hmm. because people are seeking connection. I'm seeing people, I will, okay, I've been shunned from my family or I've been locked out of my family. I am willing to hire a group, a teacher, a master online to have that connection. This is what the data is showing me right now, but I call it voice masks. And what happens is it's, it's like all of a sudden a bulletproof glass comes mm -hmm. down between me and you. And, and I feel this barrier 
And it is now I have labeled them and identified them. And they are, it is protection. It is, I am protecting you. I'm protecting me from letting you in. Mm -hmm. And it's just this cluster of sounds. So let's say, let's say I have a mask of people pleasing. And so all of a sudden now, I don't know what you want me to be. And I don't know what your listeners want me to be. So I'll just neutralize everything. Did you feel the bulletproof glass come down? And now all of a sudden, I'm not letting you in because that's scary and dangerous. And it's all going down from our own subconscious. So you know how we spend so much time on the words. This is the word that I need, mm. how I need to explain. So really what you're saying is, before you even think of what you're going to say, pay attention to what sound is being projected before the word even comes out of your mouth. Is, is that correct? Yes. And I can, I can take that and I can spin it just a little bit. Mm -hmm. You are so right that the world teaches us if you get the words right, if you control the outcome, you can get what you want. And I generally, as you know, go against the grain of everything the world says, because first of all, getting the words right, that's going to immediately put you up in your head. When you are up in your head, your voice falls flat. It cannot work. Why? Because your voice is the orchestra of your heart. Where is your heart? It is not in your head. So when you go up in your head, you are now disconnected from your heart and you are going to flatline and you are going to have sounds in your voice that are going to be misinterpreted in the listener subconscious. Mm -hmm. So if I'm thinking about getting the words, see, I'm working from, I just trust I'm going to have the words with you. I'm trusting that I'm going to mm -hmm. say exactly what I need to say for your listener. So I'm very grounded in the now. Now, if I started thinking, ooh, I don't know if I'm doing a good job, I better come up with some fancier mm -hmm. words, then I'm gonna go up in my head and here's the million dollar question, how do you know if I got the words right? Mm -hmm. You're not, in, you're not in, right? Mm -hmm. you, how do I know if you're getting the words right? I'm not in your head, you're the expert. And so we throw it all away in many ways, trying to get the words right instead of trusting that we have the words. So a couple of things we want to do is stop working from our head. I got to get the words right. And you want to start working from your heart, which is where your message is. What do I need to say to these people? What do these people need to know? But we can take that one step further. And so instead of even thinking about how do I want this to sound? Here's a question that nobody ever asks. How do I want your listener? How do I want you to feel? I know how I want you to feel. I want you to feel safe. I want you to feel like you matter. Mm -hmm. I want you to feel confident in your decision to bring me on this show. And so I'm working from creating a feel and that is what is creating the sounds that are leading the words to your ears and making them land. Beautifully said, Tracy. <laughs> like you are really taking me in in this journey. So then how do I change a lifelong habit 
of focusing on words and getting to the present because I go on autopilot and I'm a little so how what would you suggest to get someone or to get anyone to just stay in the present to get into the feeling of what's coming from the heart then what's going to happen to happen with the words in my head yeah great question and this is the hardest part because our subconscious put a habit in the muscle memory and this this will will blow your mind before we're five years old literally one phrase determines how we're going to use our voice the rest of our lives so i could give you an example i worked with a man recently and he spoke very very quickly and i wanted to get to what was behind that mm -hmm. and one day in the middle of working together his, his face fell and his eyes got as big as saucers and he said ah oh, i adored my father and my father would come home and at the dinner table the kids weren't allowed to talk. He would talk to my mother and we would sit there and then he would look at his watch and he would point to each one of us one at a time and say, go. And he had three minutes to say everything he wanted to say to his father. So that was his voice story. So I always go first and look at, okay, what is behind that habit, because mm -hmm. I can tell you to slow down or speed up or be louder. I can tell you that all day long. But if you've got noise in your head that says, well, you're really bothering those people. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to speak louder. It's not going to stick. So it's the habit that is problematic out in the world, but it's the story that we have to look at too. What is driving that? Do you think you're bothering people? Do you think what you have to say is not important. Are you just wanting to get on the other side of it and make sure you got it right, which is a lot of my people. So the hardest part, and, and that's not a very good slide of mouth pattern because I generally don't like to say something's hard, but one of the most challenging habits to rewrite is getting in the now. Why? Because we've been trained to believe that if I can get ahead of you and I can already know what I got to figure out what Rita's going to say to me next. So I can make sure I have the right answer. So I sound smart because mm -hmm. if I sound smart, then I can control this outcome and our audience is going to like me. I cannot control the outcome. So that is the first embodiment that must take place is you must let go of the illusion that you can control the outcome. Mm -hmm. I cannot make you like me. I would love for you to like me. And I think it would be great if you like me, but I cannot make you like me. I cannot control that. The only thing I have any power on is controlling this conversation and the way I make you feel, then I stand a chance of you liking me. So that should become the new driver. Oh, wait a minute, hold on. I can't control the outcome, but I can control this experience I'm creating for the person listening to me. The only way you can do that is in the now. And one of the, the fastest ways to do this is start paying attention to the noise in your head. If you're replaying something in the past, you did a presentation and it didn't go well, and you're replaying that, and then you're jumping to fear that it's going to happen again, or fear I'm not going to have the words, or fear they're not liking me, then you've put a bridge over your power source, which is in the now. So there's a couple of ways you can get back to the now. You can just be aware of it and get back to now. Or sometimes people have to have a phrase. I had to have a phrase. I was so far in the future 
I was, I was probably in 2040. I was so far in the future, right? I mean, ridiculous. And I didn't even know it. Mm. And so I paid attention to what was I in the future thinking about? And it went all the way back to my voice story, which was, I'm going to be in trouble. And so I was in the future trying to offset, not making you mad, not being in trouble, not upsetting anybody. And so I picked a phrase, everything is always working out. And every time I got in the future going, oh, I don't know how this is going. Everything's always working out. I'm right back here with you. So you say that silently to yourself? All the time. I don't have to do it too much anymore, but when I first, and this is literally subconscious reprogramming that we're talking about here, I have created a habit and built a groove in my brain that says, I got to control this outcome. Now I want to build a new groove that says everything is working out. And that puts me in the power of the now, and it grounds me in the foundation of if I'm here with you, First of all, I'm listening to you. And if I'm listening to you, I'm going to be able to answer you. If I'm off in the future thinking about what you might ask me, I'm not here. I'm mm-hmm. not even listening. And then you ask me something and I'm like, well, well, you know, the thing about it is, is that uh, Rita, that, you know, because yeah. I, I wasn't even here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the three things that you said, Trace, just now was that you can't control the outcome. So release it when you're talking. Don't try and rush your head and think, I, this is what I want them to do when I finish. You can't control that. So then you have to control the conversation, which happens from how you feel. And the way to get to how you feel is to focus on the now. And to get to the now, you've got to say a phrase that divorces the noise that's in your head that's taking over. So, and for you, it was the fact that, you know, you got, I think you said, uh, everything's working out for me. Everything's always working out. So how do you get then, Tracy, how do you get to find what that noise is for the individual? How do I find out what that noise is for me? How does the person who's listening to this get, what do they need to ask of themselves to get to that, to get to, to have their own phrase, but then to get the phrase, I need to know what's stopping me. Right. And, you know, you can have a phrase. I've got people that have a phrase that is simply now Mm. redirect. I've got somebody that goes redirect. Now, the reason that I like to say come up with a phrase that is the opposite of the noise is because I started with a phrase, which is so perfect for me, I thought, which is stop talking to yourself. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work. I couldn't remember it. I couldn't remember it. So then I started thinking, okay, why do I not, why can't I remember to Mm -hmm. stop talking to myself? And so I simply started paying attention. I, when I would have a physical reaction, Mm -hmm. like nervousness or holding my breath or feeling like I've got to take an, you know, any, any kind of, any kind of physical response I knew there was a thought because a thought drives a physical response Mm -hmm. and so I would feel the and for me it would be almost like an anxiety right Mm -hmm. I would get nervous and and I would immediately start paying attention to what was going on in my head and it always led me to they're going to be mad 
you're going to be in trouble because that was my childhood story. Wow. Right. I, I spoke up. Ooh, you're in trouble. We weren't allowed to express emotions. You weren't allowed to get mad or sad or, mm. I mean, that just wasn't allowed. And I don't say that in criticism. A, a huge part of it was it was just generation. You know, that was my generation, mm. right? Mm. So it might be, I bet you could ask your listeners or ask people you're working with, are you in the past or the future? And they would be able, they would know instantly. It is very rare when I ask people, and I can hear different sounds that tell me if they're in the past or the future. So it's kind of like a trick question. Are you in the future? Yeah, I know. Right. And because it's based on a sound, but people know people that are trying to get the words right. People that are trying to control the outcome, people that are replaying the past, they know it. They've just never realized they need to be aware of it and they will hear a theme. Like I had all kinds of noise, like you're bothering people, you don't know what you're doing, you can't have that. You know, there were, there, there's, I think it's like 95,000 thoughts a day or so. I mean, it's, it's yes. in the, it's massive, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, but I would, I was really paying attention and every time there was a physical reaction, it always went back to being in trouble. So I thought, okay, well, what do I want? I don't want to be in trouble. And first of all, I'm not in trouble. I'm a grown woman. I am not in trouble, right? I've not done anything to be in trouble. It was an old story. It was my voice story. And so I thought, okay, what do I want? Well, I want everything to be working out. So I started replaying, everything is always working out. Okay. And I ran it round the clock and I literally moved that old story out and put a new story in. And I wasn't hesitating in the future anymore. I was boldly owning in the now. That's just like brilliant. It's game changing. <laughs> it's, it's game changing. It's because what you've just identified is the process of identifying what's happening in your body when you're actually in that process of stumbling or, uh, uh, or the voice goes down, whatever's happening, what's happening in the body, what thought is going on in your head and address that thought. I mean, that's, that's the recipe. That's what you've just said, the recipe that's for that's finding it. out what's stopping you. And then find a phrase that's the opposite of that. Because I know for me, I rush through what I say and I remember working with you in the program that you had. That's one of the things that I had to work on is I had to rush what I was saying because I just felt like I'm taking too much of someone else's time yeah. to get through it so that, you know, I can use it. Yeah. And then you said, to, and that's what you had me work out for myself, which was, well, what's happening in your head? I'm like, well, I don't know if I should be taking your time. And I just feel like I've got too much to say. And then, and then that's when I had to slow down and get into the feeling, which feels so awkward. Because yeah. for so long, I've spoken at a rate that's faster than anyone can else speak. Because I felt that I needed to, when you're saying, well, if you want to connect, you're actually not connecting. You might as well not speak. Because right. the sound is not. That, that's it. That's it. Because, and we go back to that barrier. And if I start talking really fast, all of a sudden now I'm, I'm repelling you. Fast mm -hmm. is a repellent. And so if I talk really fast, first of all, you don't know what I know. I don't mm -hmm. know what you know. So if you're delivering it really, really fast and I can't follow every four seconds, our brain tells us to check out. It used to be seven. When I worked with you, it was seven. When I started this work, it was two minutes. Wow. 
Now it's four seconds. So every four seconds, my brain is trying to find movement somewhere. So if you're doing everything fast, first of all, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so, because I don't know what you know, right? Now, how did I figure this out? I was teaching at a workshop and I was at a conference and I'm teaching about vocal variety, right? I'm thinking, this is easy. Vocal variety, this vocal variety. A woman comes up to me and she said, man, I love your stuff. I just wish I knew what you were talking about. And I went, there it is. There it is. They do not know what we know. Mm. And that's the danger in speed. And speed is actually a repellent to the subconscious. Now, all you fasties out there, I'm not saying you can't go fast. You can't stay on that note alone. Mm. But so really, have... no, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say the thing about it is, and, and I know you can speak to this. It's at the end of the day, part of this is about your inner freedom. Mm -hmm. We talk about be confident, have confidence. But if you have this rubber band ball of you better hurry up because you're bothering people going on, how are you going to be confident? Mm -hmm. You have no inner freedom. I want to talk about inner freedom, right? Because until you are at ease internally going, yep, I think I know what I'm talking about. And see, we don't want to go there because the subconscious, subconscious is pulling all these strings, right? To keep us safe. Subconscious is going, yeah, well, you know, you sound kind of arrogant. So what I see people do is they don't even get in the neighborhood of confidence because they perceive they're going to sound arrogant. And we've all known somebody that was arrogant. Mm. And it's like, I am never going to be that guy. Mm. So we, we, we have this self-inflicted torture around using our voice. I know you see it too in the work that you do. Oh, 110%, absolutely. It's, it's what's very uh, obvious when working with you, Tracy, is that it's when you say the layers and there's multi-layers, it's unbelievable how how much of an effect the voice does have once you become aware of it. And you're, you're the reason why my awareness has just become paramount in all of this. And then how much of freedom you actually get to have as, as, as the speaker, whether it's a conversation one-to-one -one or one-to-many, it's that ability to be able to, like you say, to express yourself and to just own that space and know that it's not out of arrogance, but it's out of building connection, which is the ultimate dream of anyone who speaks. That's the goal, is to connect with whether there's an audience of one or 100. It's to get to that place. So in your line of work, Tracy, as you teach people, as you're getting them to you know, declutter their mind and get to the core of the message and the heart of the message, and you said before that, if you're going to speak fast, if you're going to speak slow, if you're going to speak in any shade, you can't be at that place. So how do we as speakers, how do we then change the variety of our vocal cords or vocal variety? Because, you know, I, when I speak, I'm like, okay, I've got to be conscious to stay in the step that I'm in and, you know, take mm -hmm. it slow and take my time. But then how do I know whether to increase it, then decrease it and then take it down soft? How do we become, I guess, fluent in that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And there's a lot of different ways I, I talk about this. I use different language. I can break it down into feeling. I can break it down into shades. I can break it down into the five elements. I can break it down into the bits of you. I can use a lot of different language. And I use a lot of different language because I don't think I don't think I have one size that's going to fit all. Mm -hmm. The fastest way is literally what I said earlier about lean into the feeling, because if I am, and see, we, we, you know, we, uh oh, she said the F word feeling, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's got, we have all this meaning that we've given things. Well, that must mean crying on the conference table. That's not what I'm talking about. And so we've straight, we've swung the pendulum all the way to the other side. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to be a professional and I'm going to be a professional with my professional mask now. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to talk to you about vocal variety. Okay, that ain't gonna fly anymore. That is not gonna work. So you start with feeling or you could start with passion. I will hear people say, I'm very excited to be here with you today. Oh, really? It sounds like it, right? Are you very excited? Yes, I'm very excited to be here. Lean into that feeling. Mm -hmm. And then maybe there's something heavier that we that I need to, I've got to break some news to you. And maybe I have to lean into that feeling. Or maybe I want to get you excited or, or uh, believe, I want you to believe in yourself. Or so you, you start thinking about feeling, you spend days and hours and weeks and months writing a script or doing research on a presentation or building a slide deck. Have you ever stopped to say, what does this feel like? Every single word feels like something. And so we can, we can look at it that way. We can look at what do I want them to feel? Here's another thing that people can think about that is helps get that movement, helps get that feeling is think about every time you use your voice, whether you're standing on a stage, whether you're on a Zoom, wherever you are, you're always talking to somebody you know, like, and trust. Because when you're talking to people that you know, like, and trust, like your spouse or partner or a sibling or a parent, mm -hmm. you have way more movement in your voice. You don't say to your spouse, what would you like for dinner tonight? I believe I'd like Chinese food. Mm -hmm. You don't do that. Mm -hmm. So why do you do it when you get into the stage or the meeting or don't? in your mind's eye, you're always talking. I'm always talking to Bill and Judy. You may remember Bill and Judy. Remember, I'm always talking to Bill and Judy at the, at the kitchen table mm -hmm. and I, in my mind's eye. And I've literally had emails come to me that said, I always feel like you're at the kitchen table talking to me. How do you do that? Because I am in my mind's eye. Mm -hmm. I am talking to Bill and Judy here at the kitchen table. And so we'll get that kind of movement and we lean into the feeling. Now, Here's another crazy one I'm going to throw out and, I, and I'll throw three out. I don't want to, I don't want to overwhelm people. I don't want to fire hose people. But if you think about a five-speed car or stick shift, mm -hmm. I don't know what y'all, what, what a manual around car. the word manual. Yeah. yeah manual. manual. Okay. So we call them five-speed. You can't drive that thing in third gear the whole time. 
you got to shift up and then you, you shift up into fifth and you're cruising along and that's your fast. Uh-oh, brake lights. <laughs> got to get down to second for a minute. So simply the awareness of I've been on this note too long. I've been talking fast too long. I've been talking slow too long. Those are several ways that people can start playing with this. And, and what you want to do is you first want to look at what's your go-to. So if your go-to is fast, I'm going to always start plugging in slow first. And I'm not going to take your fast away because that's not going to work because that's part of who you are. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for me to say, I don't want you to talk fast anymore. Your subconscious is like, who brought her? Who brought her? Who invited her over? Because we're going to keep talking fast. So what I want to do is I want to offshoot it with some slow bits. Mm -hmm. So you're talking fast. You're talking fast. You're talking fast. You're up. Oh, brake lights. I better slow down for a minute. Mm -hmm. It just has to be for a minute. Yeah, okay, traffic's moving. Here we go, mm -hmm. right? So that you start rolling in the things that you don't have rather than changing the things that you do. Okay. Because fast has a purpose. Yeah. I just don't want the story behind it. And I don't want it to be the only note. I want you to play all the notes. The voice is the orchestra of the heart. How many instruments does an orchestra have? More than one. For sure. And so would you recommend that when one is giving a presentation and that they have different parts of the, the presentation, they should look at, well, what feeling do I want to project in this part? What feeling do I want to give in this? Rather than, okay, I've got to cover that, I've got to cover that. Got to, yes, you've got to cover it. But what is the feeling that I want to be able to land with my potential audience? And then that's, is that, would that be a correct way of going through it? That I have seen that way, that very thing that you just described, I have mm. seen double and triple entrepreneurs launches mm. simply by taking that PowerPoint or taking that script and going confidence, trust, frustration, okay. sadness. Mm. And then they know to play that note I don't, what I don't want is, so, you know, I'm kind of funny about practice. I'm, I'm a little bit anti-practice. Mm -hmm. I'm anti-practice the wrong things. And I think that people can get locked into, I have to get it right. And they would spend days and hours and weeks and months thinking through the right feeling and the right, no, that's not what I want. I want you to look at it and go, oh yeah, that's frustrating. And you can pick these feelings by simply asking yourself, how do I feel about what I'm talking about? Hmm. Because if I'm not bought in vocally, I don't stand a chance of getting you bought in vocally. Hmm. It's not going to happen. So, so do you think there's also a chance of over-practicing and therefore sounding too robotic or too yeah. stiff? hundred percent people will. So there, the pendulum swings and it is the in-between that is the danger spot. People can take a script. In fact, I heard Elizabeth Gilbert talk mm -hmm. about this when she was going to do Oprah's soul Sunday. Mm -hmm. 
She practiced for six months. She walked and talked to that speech every single day. Mm -hmm. So she got it in her bones. That's like what a Broadway actor would do. Mm -hmm. They have it in their bones. They're not going to forget it. It, it. It is there. So we can do that or we can work with a framework and trust that we know so that we will be more conversational, we will be grounded, so our voice will go to work. What the in-between danger zone is, is either I've practiced it so many times that I'm going to phone it in, Mm. what I call phone it in, or I will see people try to memorize it, they don't embody it, and so they go into retrieval mode, or they've practiced it so many times that when they're standing in front of their listeners, they're thinking about that really good time that I did this on Thursday. I want to recreate on Thursday in the living room, I was really good. And so I start, I go up into my head and I start thinking about what did I do Thursday when it was so good? And that's like the comedian that's not funny. You ever seen a comedian that's not funny? Yes. The reason is they're not fully committed. They're testing it out. They're thinking about something else. They're disconnected. It doesn't work that way. You, okay, that's great that you practice Thursday, but, but you need it loose in your bones. Not, I've got to retrieve it. Mm. Yeah. I got my framework. I know what I'm talking about. I ran through it two times last week. Boom. I'm in the moment with you not I'm trying to recreate that last time I stood on the stage. I'll, I'll have people do that. You know, they'll, they'll do a, a podcast interview or something and they'll say, this one didn't go as well as the last one. And I'll listen to them and I know exactly what they did. The last one was the, their friend interviewed them. This mm-hmm. one, a stranger. Well, I'm trying to recreate the one with the friend rather than in the mind's eye you are somebody I know, like, and trust. Wow, there's so many layers to this. So there's many layers. So, so many, many layers. layers. So, 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 would you? So, in 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 someone who's like wants to practice on their voice, and not just a talk, but just to practice on their voice, and that happens in conversations. That can happen with someone in the grocery store, anywhere. Would you recommend to just like the the one, number one thing is just be present? And then see what goes on in your body. Should you stiffen up, get anxious, get nervous, get sweaty about it? Is is that how you would practice just voice on a very day level? Yes, I would say that the top things would be get to the point where you can stop redirecting back to the now. But that's priority one. Your voice isn't going to work unless you're here Mm -hmm. in the conversation with me. And so everything becomes a conversation. Everything is a conversation with somebody you know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. But I am a huge proponent of talk out loud, which is probably why the phrase stop talking to yourself didn't work because I talk to myself all day, Mm -hmm. right? And when, when when I teach vocal variety and I plug it in all these different ways, it's still foreign to people. On a degree to a degree, because we've trained ourselves to play safe, we've created habits of one or two notes. And so I will say to them, and they always laugh at me, I'll say, Okay, when you go to the grocery store, 
and they're bagging up your groceries. They're getting ready to bag your groceries. And they say, you want paper or plastic today, ma'am? You go, today, I'll have plastic, <laughs> right? And that's how you're gonna practice pause, right? <laughs> so you're always out in the world practicing because we're literally, we're literally putting it back in the top layer of the muscle memory. Mm. And here's the thing, it's there, it is there. It is there, you have just covered it up with layers and layers and layers of what the world told you you had to be. Mm. Watch a three-year-old, they use all the elements of vocal variety. Watch a 40-year-old, yes. they don't. Yes, so true. True blue, as we say in Australia, true blue. That was spot on. Let, let me take you into the actual, we've talked about the passion of your of what the work that you do. I want to go into the professional side of it, the business side of things of how you deliver. Now, you said before that you wanted to be an actor and then that segued into voice. For someone that's listening, did you ever feel that or do feel that maybe I want to go back into acting to try my hand at that one more time? Like, was that because acting is just such a freaking hard sphere to enter, to break into? And that voice was just something that just came more naturally, was just an easier dip into a realm that still was tied with acting, but it just allowed you to express yourself because it came easier because it didn't have to impress somebody else. You didn't have to go through an agent or an audition. Did that ever happen at all? Well, the day that I decided I didn't want to be an actor anymore was the day that I decided I didn't want to be an actor anymore. And it was literally... I'll, I'll just shoot real straight with you and I'll tell you what it was. There was a, a self-absorption that wasn't resonating with me anymore. It was, there was, and, and you know, I'm, I don't, I'm certainly in no way meaning to criticize mm -hmm. the industry mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. But that is what I felt felt in that moment but I believe I had to feel that to get to where I went next which was become a director and direct plays all over the world so that I could get to being a voice coach I was running from my purpose and I knew it but I refused to do it because I wanted to do what I wanted to do and I wanted and I thought I wanted this and I and I I thought that the keys to the kingdom if you will the mm -hmm. keys to me mattering in life were going to be found when I was famous yeah so I was chasing the wrong thing mm -hmm. and I was chasing the wrong thing out of an absolute disbelief that I was put here to coach voices. I, I say it all the time. I was Jonah, Jonah in the belly of the whale. I mean, I was going everywhere. I could, but everything was voice. My actors were accoladed because of voice. My television commercials, I got them because of my voice. I mean, it was everywhere and I refused to see it. So I may have had moments over this 30 plus year journey where I thought, I wanna do that again but not many. Now, directing 
I probably have had more. I have probably had more thoughts about, I think I want to go direct to play again. Mm-hmm. And I've even done that. And it was so unfulfilling. I, I, I was stunned. Wow. I kept trying to force that because I kept lying to myself, believing that that would, that would be my freedom. And really and truly it, you know, and this was many, many years ago, right? It was, it, it was every time there was a new level, every time there was a new layer of something I needed to deep dive and understand to take my people further, there was always this thought of, well, I'm going to go do that. Well, I'll give you, I'll tell you a story, a little short story. I, in the early years of my career, I taught very technical voice, very technical, very. Okay. And the reason I did it was because I looked at my colleagues and all my colleagues taught technically. And I thought, wow, they're really good. I think I'll teach like that. So what does technical mean? Technical, like, okay, everybody, we're going to warm up now. All right. Blow your lips. And, you know, now say it louder, mm-hmm. Rita, say it louder. Say, in fact, say it like this, okay. right? Technical, okay. let's lay on the ground, breathing exercise, okay. technical voice. I was teaching at Mike Nichols school in New York and they were all technical. And what was, ha- so I taught technical. Mm. I taught placement and real technical things. And it was driving me crazy. It was eating me alive because I could hear what I do now. I could hear psychology of the voice. I could hear the backstory. I could hear the pain. I could hear that me telling them to slow down wasn't Mm -hmm. going to work. I could hear that they were condescending and I didn't have the courage to say, Mm -hmm. I think we have a problem. Mm -hmm. And so I walked away. And this is kind of what would happen every time there was a new level with acting or directing. But this time I walked away and I decided I was going to be a furniture refinisher. So I'm living in New York City And uh, my super of my building was to this day, still one of my best friends. We started a furniture refinishing business and he would, you know, he would help me haul all the heavy pieces in and all day long, I would sand the layers of paint and strip the layers that that gorgeous furniture underneath no longer needed. And the phone kept ringing and the phone kept ringing and the phone kept ringing. And I wouldn't talk to anybody about voice. I sanded all day long. And one day I heard a voice in my head that said, what are you doing? I didn't put you down there to sand furniture. And I came back in the game. And within weeks, I heard that young man that had his heart broken. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was I had to sand those layers of that furniture to come back and sand the layers that people no longer need so that they can reveal the best version of their voice. Captivating, that was beautiful. (laughs) Literally, no, literally, I mean, you literally practice what you preach, what you teach, you practice it. And it's, and I know the listeners can hear it. It just, it it, it just reels you in, you know, voice. Mm -hmm. It's reeling in. And what a superpower what an exceptional superpower to know how to use because then you can get along or get 
the deals, get into contracts, get into audiences with anybody simply. Do you ever teach mirroring voices? Like if that person speaks softly, then you should mirror that voice and then increase it. Do you teach that as well? Well, you know me, I go against the grain of what everybody says you should do. Mm -hmm. And so I, that comes up a lot, right? And I don't say don't do that, mm -hmm. but this is, there's a danger in that. So let's say I am larger than life and I'm real high energy and I'm really mm -hmm. expressive and I'm, I'm real like that. And, and I hear you in a quiet voice. So I try to start being quiet. That's not who I am. No. So I can get on board with, I'm going to turn the dial up or down, but if I, water seeks its own level vocally. Mm -hmm. So the minute I come to your level, I've lost the game. That may also not be, I may not be able to be authentic if I match your level. Let's, I've got, I've got tons of introverts. They're not all larger than life. And you're being larger than life. And, and I say to them, match that. You're mm -hmm. going to have the fakest thing you've ever heard in your life. You're going to have circus clown on parade, okay. right? So that's not going to serve my person to match. They can lean into that. They can get close to that, but it has to be their version. But then what I want them to do is I want them to take control of the conversation and navigate where it's going to go quiet bits tell the subconscious you care about them that's why i use them all the time mm. because i want you to know i care i am using my voice to speak to your subconscious and so it's not that i'm anti-mirror i just think it has to be has have some adjustments on it okay. because i i lose the power of controlling the conversation the minute I match you. Mm. Now I may do that initially for a reason, but I'm not going to match you exactly if that's not who I am. And that's really what we're after. Mm. Who, you know, we throw this word around authentic, just be authentic, but we don't really talk about, okay, what is that? Most people don't even know who they are because they are hiding behind what the world said they needed to do, what the college professors and the school teachers and the siblings and the parents, and they're hidden behind all of that, terrified to show up and say and be who they really are. And the data right now, we were talking about this earlier, the data right now says that isn't gonna work anymore. I wanna know who you are. And the way I'm gonna know who you are is I'm going to hear how you feel mm -hmm. in your voice. That's how I'm going to know. And when I hear your frustration or your snarkiness or your snort laugh or whatever it is, I'm going to go, she gets me. That's my person right there. But if, but if we, but you know, but if we stay neutral, then I don't know who you are. I got to go find my person. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that speaks volumes. And so when you talk about data, uh, Tracy, are you talking about data that you've researched or data that's currently out there? Is, is, what's, what specifically are we talking about when you say data? Both. I am a massive researcher. Yes. yes. Most of the things that I teach, I have literally researched. Mm -hmm. 
I'll watch something for two years. Mm -hmm. I will watch patterns for six months. I'll set up a research study where I watch patterns and I study what is happening. But there is now some incredible scientific research. I I said it for years. Science now has proven words can't make us feel. It is the encasement of the voice that has the power to make the words make you feel. Mm, So So it's both, right? It's both. Mm -hmm. And so I think of the voice like the gorgeous wrapping paper on the gift. You're going to see the wrapping first and then you get underneath to the beautiful gift inside. Mm, True. So completely true. And so when you talk about researching, how do you as a business owner, Tracy, divide your time between actually training, doing the work, researching and just, you know, carrying on with life? Like how do you divide your time so that you're allowed you're allowing yourself to do some research to really build up the love of what you do and then be able to teach that. So what do you have a, do you have a certain routine? Do you have a schedule? My schedule is stay at the command center and never stop. (laughs) (laughs) They call me a workaholic. I, I do love what I do. And a lot of the the patterns that I, that I follow, I, I follow in my day-to-day conversations. I follow in a podcast. I follow mm-hmm. in the people sitting in front of me. And that's how I really started figuring it out. That's how I figured out psychology of the voice was I kept seeing people sitting in front of me with a sound and a story that matched it. Like Bill, who came to work with me, he wanted to sound more confident and, it, and when I met him, I introduced myself. I said, Bill, it's so great to meet you. And he said, it's really nice to meet you in this teeny tiny voice. And for whatever reason, I looked at him and I said, Bill, do you have siblings? And he said, I have six older sisters. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. the input that created the voice story that you need to be quiet. So I started asking different questions. I start, I would have a a client that would speak fast and I would say, do you have siblings or do you, do you struggle with the spotlight on you or are you trying to get it right? And -hmm. I would start asking questions and through that I would find patterns. So a lot of it, I mean, literally I don't have a lot of friends because (laughs) you know, every time either I'm the party game at the Christmas party or you know, people are like, are you listening to me? Are you analyzing me? Are you, are, can I say anything? Or are you going to be analyzing it? So, you know, I just sit here and work. <laughs> okay. So, so you're a workaholic. Do you, um, in terms of the working for yourself, have you found that the transition, I mean, but you've always been working for yourself, whether you've been an actor, whether you've been directing plays, whether you have been, you know, with the furniture, now you're teaching voice, you've always really worked for yourself. I really have. And when I was directing plays all over the world, I was actually the education director for a theater. And this was back in my Mm twenties. That was the last full-time job I had. I then taught for conservatories. I taught for Mike Nichols conservatory and another conservatory in New York city, but those were two part-time things that made up a full-time thing. And Mm -hmm. then I had clients on the side, but it was after I had my son and I have a special needs son And I, I just realized, and I'm a single mother, 
So I just realized that 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 was my priority, mm-hmm. not, you know, if there was a meltdown or if there was something that went awry and I couldn't get there on time to that establishment, it wasn't fair to them and it wasn't fair to my son. So it became pretty clear early on that I had to do this thing. I had to figure it out. And I did. And it's been uh, my love of the work has made my challenges in in figuring out business has made it worth it Mm. because I love what I do. I can't imagine that I was given this ability, that I was given this gift. Mm. I can't imagine that. I question, what did I do to deserve this often? Because I think it is so special. And so I am on a mission before I leave this planet mm-hmm. to change as many lives as I can. And, and, and I changed my son's life, you know, I, I changed his life in a massively positive way. And so working for myself was, was really a no brainer. It was a no brainer. Yeah, it really was. So would you say as a single mom, as a child who had a child with special needs, who was doing her own gig, running her own gig. I mean, wasn't, was that scary for you? Did you not just think, you know what, yes, all the above, but you know, secure income every week would suit me just fine. Like, did that ever come to your mind? It would come, but it would go. And it's really, it was the gift of faith. Mm. It's how I built faith. It's how I built faith that everything was going to work out before I ever even had the phrase. And I just had to, mm. I knew it had to be that way. I worked really, really hard. And there were times that were really, really tough, yeah. but I always believed that it was going to work out. I always believed, you know, I come from a line, a line of people that are strong people. Mm. We, you know, that's the way I was raised. I was raised by a Choctaw Indian and you know, just total success story. Mm. And I was just raised with some incredibly great values and strength that, you know, my dad used to call me an overcomer. He said, you can overcome anything. I've I've never seen anything like it. And so I was raised that way. I was raised to have that inkling of belief that Mm -hmm. I don't know how this is going to work, but I know that I have to believe it will. Mm-hmm. and it did beautiful yeah, yeah. well 30 years on absolutely absolutely yeah. um tracy i want to actually ask you um it comes to the point in the podcast where i go through some rapid fire questions Uh-oh. where i ask you rapid fire questions first answer is the right answer whatever comes up she's, she's getting ready <laughs> just getting, yeah. going back with my seatbelt on <laughs> now before i race into that can you please tell us if someone's listening right now if they want to contact you how can they do so I am CaptivateTheRoom.com and I'm CaptivateTheRoom, Instagram, Facebook, soon to be hopping on TikTok. Mm-hmm. I'm getting on there. Yes, you must. Um, mm-hmm. I am getting on there, but pretty much Captivate the Room, anything, you'll find me. Absolutely. And can I just say for anyone that's listening, um, I speak anyway. I've spoken for a very long time for my work and working with Tracy and I've been wanting to have Tracy on the podcast for some time. And this is episode number 195. So I've been wanting her to come on for a long time. The fact that she can open up a level of understanding about you and your voice 
is very rare that you cannot get from a YouTube video or a book because she works with you where you're at. And rather than you having to figure out, well, what does that mean? And she just, you know, she takes the shortcut, like she shortcuts it because she's been doing it for so long. And that's what was the, the best part of working with Tracy. And because the groups that she works with is just small. You're not one of 200. You're not one of 20. You're one of maybe four or eight people maximum. Is that correct, Tracy? Yeah. Right. I, I will. Yeah, I'll only work with eight at a time. Which is why her work just becomes so much more significant for you as the participant, because you get listened to. Which, oh yeah, everybody participates every time. Yeah. It's hands-on. It's not look at the video and ask me a question. <laughs> How did you feel about watching that? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's okay. Oh, start your video. Give me your first line. Yeah. Okay, let's back it up. Stop. This is what we need to do. Mm -hmm. It's it's just it's high touch. It's incredible, and I cannot recommend it enough because simply because I have gone through it, and her work is simply. Uh, very, very, it's, it opens up a layer of you you didn't really know existed. And so yeah. well, thank, thank you, Miss Tracy. Miss Tracy, thank you so much. I just get, I break out into accents sometimes. I don't know what the mind. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that. <laughs> so let's get to the rapid fire questions. Okay. Okay, question number one. Your greatest tool for when you train or coach people? being present mm. the best way to find your passion be still she's hitting the home runs here best marketing for your programs what's the best marketing you've had or you do referrals mm -hmm. hardest part about turning your passion into a profession believing you can do it What's the easiest part of turning a passion into a profession? Easiest part of passion. Believe that you can do it. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. What's the greatest lesson that you've learned working for yourself? Ask for help. Mm. That you you cannot do it alone, and you're not and you're not required to. And when you say ask for help, who specifically have you asked? Oh, you name it. I've, I have, uh, I have a help with my podcast. Mm -hmm. I have help with my social media. Mm -hmm. I used to try to do it all and I did not do it well. And when I realized that I really needed to save my energy to do the work that I do and that everybody has a gift, mm -hmm. And it's 100% okay if mine is not social media. There's somebody out there that can help me and support me. And I had to start small. You know, I didn't bring on a team and thousands of dollars. I literally started with two hours a week. Can yeah. you make my post for me? Because I am not visual at all. My graphics look like, it's funny that I have an artist son, really, because I just don't have that gift. Mm. So by hiring coaches huge as soon as i the first huge investment i made well i didn't even know how i was going to pay for it i had no idea i had to do the 12-month payment plan mm. but i knew i needed to always have a guide so i've always hired coaches 
I've always hired people to help me do the things that I cannot do. And no matter how much at times I've thought I was bothering people, I've asked for support. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. What advice would you tell people to ignore? Anything that goes against your gut. Okay. All right. Are you a texter or a talker? Which do you prefer? I'm a talker. Mm -hmm. Do not text. <laughs> Where would you go if you were invisible, Tracy? If I was invisible, I would go in the mind of everyone on earth to see what is driving how they use their voice. Wow. Wow. What do you believe that others think is crazy? What do I believe? Boy, there's too many to choose from. <laughs> what do I believe that I, okay, this one's probably perfect for, for, for y'all. I believe we should not read the room. I believe we should always deliver the best version of us because the minute that I decide what you're thinking based on what I see in your face and I start altering who I am to accommodate what I believe I see, I am no longer delivering the best version of me. That just goes against everything that I've ever heard in eternity. That's because you know when people say, okay, when someone crosses their arms or they they, they oh, frown yeah. or they like scratch or they yawn, you're saying ignore all of that when you're talking. So I, 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 this is what I believe. And, and you, I knew I was going to just drop a big one right here <laughs> when, I, when you asked me that and I chose this. But here's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. If I have a frown on my face and you're doing a presentation and you see my frown and you start thinking, ooh, ooh, I've offended her. Mm. And you start altering. You, first of all, you're going to go up in your head. So mm -hmm. you're going to lose all your power. And you start adjusting in the moment because Tracy's frowning because you decided what I was thinking. What if I was frowning because I wanted to hire you and I didn't know where I was going to come up with the money. Now you have altered everything about the best version of you based on something your subconscious wants you to believe I'm thinking. So you will play smaller. So you will stay safe. So I say you can read the room, but do not adjust in an outward way. Do not change who you are. You can turn the dial up or down mm -hmm. on the real you, but do not give it, do not go into your head based on what you think you see. Super. Super, super now, totally got it. I ain't gonna do that no more. <laughs> I ain't gonna do that no more. Fill in the blank. Turning your passion into a profession is magic. Oh, and then finally, how would you like to be remembered? I want to be remembered in such a way that I made a profound impact 
on people's lives. So I want the people whose lives I was able to touch in my short time here on earth mm -hmm. that they never forget that I got them back to one, that I changed their life for the better. Tracy Gulen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been a real treat. It was absolutely worth the wait having you on here. Thank you so much. Guys that were listening, Tracy Gulen is the voice command coach, Captivate the Room. She has shared with us how she's turned her passion into a profession. And by doing so, in sharing this, has inspired us to continue as she has to unbox her gorgeous gift. Tracy, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.